Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Athlete Ready Global Podcast. I am your host, Jared Saavedra. This is episode 17 with Coach Jason Kamens. Jason is a father, husband, strength conditioning coach, college instructor, and online trainer. He gives us an insight on how his strength conditioning journey began and what it's like working with some of the best fighters on the planet. I really consider him one of the OG MMA strength coaches around. Wears a lot of hats in his everyday life, but also embraces the controlled chaos. You won't want to miss this episode with my man, Jason. Hey, everyone, and welcome to season two of the Athlete Ready Global podcast. This season is going to be straight fire. It is not going to be limited to just strength conditioning coaches and fitness professionals, but we're going to have sport coaches on here, medical doctors, financial advisors, digital marketers, you name it, we'll probably have them on. I really believe that you're going to enjoy these next 10 episodes. Again, our goal is to help equip fitness and strength professionals in their careers in areas that promote career longevity, financial freedom, etc. As you know, the Athlete Ready Global podcast is powered by the online training software, Athlete Ready Global, which helps personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches save more time, coach more people, build more freedom, and make more money. With nearly 400 business marketing and training resources and a deep exercise library, and also a ton of features that allow coaches and trainers to deliver world-class programming remotely. This platform has it all. Now, on to our next episode. Coach Jason, thanks so much for, for being on today, man. I appreciate you. No problem, Jared. Thank you so much for having me on. Just had an awesome client at the house, um, and then yeah. uh, that went really well, and now I get to talk to you. So, um, yeah, can't beat Absolutely. the weather here in Arizona. As you see, it's sunny and about 75 right now. Absolutely, man. So, for the listeners, uh, tell us a little bit of how, about yourself, how you kind of got started in this industry, all the good stuff. Well, shoot, I'm old now. How much time do we got? It's been a while since I got started in this industry. Um, you know, um, well, how long have you been in the industry for? I graduated with my undergraduate degree in 2003, so um, I've been going strong since then. And um, honestly, started training, if you will, a little bit before that in um, undergraduate school at uh, University of Wisconsin La Crosse. We had a really great exercise science program, strength and conditioning program, where um, as students of that, we got to get into the weight room and work with the athletic teams and work with the higher ups in the strength and conditioning program and really learn how to um, do the lifts properly, teach the lifts properly, you know, all the testing and everything that goes into it as well. So I really started getting to work with some athletes um, during my time in undergrad. So that was pretty awesome experience to be able to have that at that time. Absolutely. So we spent four semesters in the weight room um, learning with, with the sports teams and the other strength conditioning professionals at the school. And um, Travis Triplett, Travis Triplett McBride at the time, um, she was one of my first mentors and she's the NSCA uh, board president currently. So um, to be able to start out with, with somebody like that as a mentor is, um, you know, a huge part of, what I do now of, of being instructor in, in college and trying to get more students started off on the right foot. So, um, yeah, I've been, been doing it for quite some time now. Like I said, graduated back in 2003, um, after I did an internship at, uh, athletes performance where I believe you did an internship as well, right? 
Yes, I didn't actually didn't know that you had done one over there as well. What what location were you at? So I was in Tempe in 2003. Okay. So it was when Tempe was the only facility they had. Um, he actually opened the one in California during my internship time in Tempe. Mark did. So um, as you know, the highest level of coaches come out of that place. And, and it was phenomenal to be able to finish up my undergraduate degree there coming from strength and conditioning program at lacrosse and then with all the high level people they had there was absolutely phenomenal oh yeah it's a it's a great company to learn from for sure so after that experience what did you do right after that um right after that i stayed in arizona so i was originally from wisconsin and and i needed to get out of the snow and the darkness that's for sure so um i stayed in arizona and i just picked up a training job at a small personal training studio where I got to work with um, clients of all shapes, sizes, ages, levels um, to really hone my craft a little bit more, you know, out on my own. And um, it was a great place to start off because I didn't have to bring my own clients in or anything. And um, back in 04, when this was, I actually was getting paid an hourly rate as a trainer. And I had benefits at this place. Crazy. Wow. Okay. I know. Not something that, <laughs> that you hear much of anymore. So um, I got to start there and I worked there for um, a couple of years. It's a small studio in Scottsdale here in Arizona. And um, it was a not, a not a big gym, global gym by any means. It was a smaller studio. Um, but it really, I feel like, helped me to be able to manage my time in sessions and manage um, multiple clients kind of doing um, different programming at the same time, if you know what I mean, like, you know, right. semi-private type training, um, because we had in that facility five new clients come in every 45 minutes. So I had five clients come to me every 45 minutes expecting to get a good workout and obviously not in a group training setting. So it wasn't like they were in a group class or anything. So I developed some some ways to make sure we managed the time to get them everything they needed in that 45 minutes, but still have um, change over time for the next group to come in for the 45 minutes as well. So it was it was a good place to start. It made me have to think on my feet a lot. And, um, I, I feel like, um, it's, it's really helped me to manage all of my sessions from that point on. So were, were most of those clients, were, were they general population? Oh, so that's another kicker. Yeah. We had some general population clients. I mean, I had, um, some younger athletes in there mixed in with 70 year old clients mixed in nice. with housewives with businessmen, you know, so there was, um, that's a great yeah, way to learn. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It was, like I said, kind of thrown into the fire and saying, here, here's five people, train them and get them a good workout. So they want to keep coming back, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, it was a great place to start for, for sure. Um, and, and for me personally, I'm not a huge outgoing type salesperson. So the, that studio I think was a better fit for me than like starting at a bigger global gym or something where you had to do a little bit more of that. And, right. Uh, right. What, uh, what transitioned you to to work with MMA athletes? So um, after my time at the small studio in Scottsdale, I spent some more time in Phoenix at another small training studio. And um, I had been getting really sick of the, the commute. I would drive about 50 miles a day um, and there and back. So it was 
not a lot of fun and it was starting to get burn me out on training and everything. So um, I wanted to try to find something a little bit closer to home. And um, one of a mutual friend of mine and some of the fighters, he was a he was a wrestling coach, told me that uh, they were going to be putting a gym like literally right across the street from my house. Nice. I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. I'm like, I, I had no aspiration of training them or anything at that time, but I wanted to get somewhere close to home to train. So um, literally walked across the street with my resume and when they were under construction, walked in the door and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit closer place to, to, to train than I train right now. Are you guys looking to hire any trainers or what's the process here? And um, gave my resume and um, got a call shortly after that to come in and and chat with um, one of the gentlemen there who was familiar with the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse and Exos and all of my background and everything and said, hey, come on in, you know. So um, when that facility opened like a month or so later, I went in as an independent contractor trainer and started to build my business in there of my general population clients and um, anybody that wanted to train, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and it was shortly after I started training some people in there that I was starting to get a little bit of inquiries from some of the guys. They would watch some of the stuff that I was doing. And um, then the first person to reach out for some training was Aaron Simpson. And he was about six weeks out from his fight with Brad Tavares at that time. Oh, wow. And um, he's like, hey, man, um, he was he was hilarious because he was trying to pull one over on me or like, you know, get me a little <laughs> bit. And, and he's like, hey, so do you know this guy or do you know this guy? And I'm like, yeah, actually, um, Luke was was part of my internship. I talked to him all the time. He's like, oh, OK. You know, I was oh. trying to pull one over on the new guy. Right. And um, so he's, he's like, OK, maybe he knows a little bit of what he's doing. And then. Um, we connected after that and, you know, I trained him throughout his, the rest of his career. And then, um, more of the guys started jumping on board from that point. Um, but like I said, Aaron was the first one. And then CB Dalloway was shortly after that. I trained him for his fight in 2011 in Milwaukee was the first fight I had with CB. Um, and then, um, later on that year, I started working with Ryan. So that's been since 2011 as well. Awesome. So for for athletes like that, that, you know, come up to you, especially MMA athletes, what's kind of your intake process for them? Do you have something kind of, you know, uniform with every one of them? Or how do do you assess like what their goals are? Um, You know, I get a lot of young coaches kind of asking like, hey, what's the difference between training, you know, MMA athletes compared to, you know, a a traditional sport athlete? So what what would you what would what would be your take on that? It's it's changed a lot, you know, over the Mm -hmm. last decade, that's for sure. Um, It's I've I've had the luxury of being able to be in the gym with these athletes day in and day out for six, seven years that we had the facility, the big gym over there. So mm-hmm. um, I got to see what they do on the mats. I got to see how much time they spent over there and everything. So I got to um, have a little bit different perspective on, you know, maybe how we should put all of these parts of training together. So, um, you know, when, and, and honestly, I don't work with a ton of the guys anymore. I, I just spend mm-hmm. more of my time teaching and working just out of my garage and, and training a couple of the big guys that I've been with for, for a long time. Um, but, you know, I would want to see everything that they were doing. I don't want to just see, um, some numbers on, on a, on a squat rack or, Hey, I do this practice. And then this one, I need to get an idea of 
everything that's going into their training schedule and their training week so I can help to formulate a plan of success for them um, depending on where they're at. If they're an amateur or a pro, you know, there's going to be different demands for each of those. The, the amateurs and the younger guys have to spend a lot more time working on the, on their skill stuff, you know, so they may have to um, not spend as much time with me or I may not be able to do as much as I may like or whatever you want to call it with them mm-hmm. because they have to do so much of that, whereas um, somebody a, a little bit further in their career, you know, they um, obviously are still developing their skill set, but not to the extent of a beginner where they'd have to spend that that amount of time on it. Um, but yeah, my biggest thing is, is I need to see everything that's going on. Um, I, I know that strength conditioning for MMA is only a small piece of the puzzle. And um, we have to make sure that I'm not overlapping and doing too much where you're not going to be getting what you need out of those skills practices then. And two, you know, it's, it's, it's really dependent on where they're at. If they're super close to a fight, we'll do different things than if they're a lot further out than a fight. So I like to um, teach these guys a little bit about periodization and kind of when to do what types of programming, um, depending on how far they are out from fights. But as we know, too, a lot of the guys coming up don't get the luxury of, hey, I have eight weeks to train for this, or I might be fighting tomorrow. You never know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I don't necessarily follow an exact set process for each person that comes in everybody's an individual so um, I like to sit down with them see what their goals are in the sport because it's you know it's not an easy sport to to do well in and make a living in and you know kind of help them to see all the pieces that are going to go into helping them make it to the next level absolutely did you get any pushback from their their coaches prior to them working with you since you were kind of an outsider and not a part of, of that gym before that time, or did you just kind of automatically, you just got that buy-in from the get-go? Um, I was lucky enough where, where, um, we meshed really good as, as head coach and striking coach and jujitsu coach and myself, strength and conditioning coach. Um, we, there was not a lot of, of egos where, we felt like we had to do more than somebody else. So um, I've been through, let me see, even two. This is our kind of fourth head coach that I've been through um, with the, the same group of guys. And each time the head coaches have been awesome. Like I, I really feel like they embraced what I was bringing because I embraced what they were bringing as well. You know, some of those guys are old school. They've been doing it for so long. They don't necessarily like some of the new school technology or techniques or anything like that. So I did my best to respect what they were doing and interject where I could and show them the whys behind what I was doing. And then when guys started getting faster, getting better endurance, you know, like they're like, oh, what's what's going on? How how can we maximize this even more? So. Um, Tom Vaughn was one of our first head coaches. He's, he's a head coach out there in, in New mm-hmm. Mexico. Tom's awesome. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the first, um, head coaches that I got to work with and he was awesome. Like we would chat and, and really figure out how to complement each other so that we could get the most out of these athletes. And I know there's that not all coaches are like that, but I've had the, the benefit of being with some, some really good ones that that's how it is. And Aaron Simpson was the next coach after that. And, and he and I, again, we, 
we set up. Yeah, he already knew your system pretty well. Yeah, and we set up the program together. So it's not like, okay, here's my MMA schedule. What can you do with my strength conditioning schedule? It's like, okay, here's our MMA and strength conditioning schedule. How can we optimize this for the athlete? For sure. Man, and, then, and then, yeah, when Jai came in now, oh man, that's a whole nother level. His, his experience is, is bar none, the, the craziest that I've seen. He's, he's done MMA since he's born, basically. So mm-hmm. um, him with all that incredible knowledge and, and embracing some of the stuff that I bring to the table, too, it's, it's, it's been great uh, partnership, that's for sure. Awesome, man. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I respect about you the most is, and, and just this is from afar, since I don't know you as well personally, but I know, you know, you're, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a strength conditioning coach, you're a college instructor, you're an online coach. Um, what are kind of some of your struggles when when dealing with like time management? I mean, you were you definitely wear a lot of hats uh, throughout the entire day. Like, how do you manage your time successfully like you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I did super successfully all the time, to be honest. You know? um, it's, it's sometimes it gets wild. That's for sure. You know, there's sometimes there's nine o'clock dinners and, and things like that. So um, I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, though. You know, I get to wake up and, and see my kids every morning. I get to take my daughter to school. Um, I'm hanging with my son today. He looks like he's cleaning up some dog poo for me. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. But um Honestly, I'm not the best at time management. I've always been a procrastinator, so I need to have some some better systems in place going forward than I currently do, that's for sure. Um, but I, I try to balance as much as I can. And, and my wife is great as well because um, she's kind of in the same boat, you know, mom, and, and she loves to work out and she's got a job as well. So you know, we're two working parents with, with these guys, but we, we definitely make it work. Um, there's, there's some days where, you know, you don't get a, a second to even breathe or think. And I think that was like, like yesterday, I didn't finish up what I was doing until 11 o'clock at night, you know? And, um, um, I probably wouldn't be the best person to talk to about time management. That's for sure. Cause I, I kind of, well, for, I mean, for everything that you do, Man, I have to disagree. I mean, I think that's, you know, a lot of people say work-life balance doesn't exist. And I, I, I actually believe that it, it doesn't exist. But from just seeing you from afar away, it's like, man, how does this guy do it? Like, you know, when people ask me, like, you know, what, how do you do the things that you do? It's like, man, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a father. I don't know what that's like. And I know that's going to take a lot of my time. So I was like, I got to ask Jason this because it seems like he has it together over there. And, and, and just like I said, my, my wife and I, we, we structure our life around these kids basically mm-hmm. um we we don't have any family here in arizona so it's basically just us um we don't do child care so um it's it's us and and we've we've structured our schedules where um we each take turns taking care of these guys when maybe the other one is working so um you know she's working on monday through wednesday at, at her job she's a veterinary technician so she leaves the house and 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 i have the kids for those days but luckily enough i can train right from my garage. So I have some clients come right to the house. Um, I can train right from my app. Very awesome as well. And then mm-hmm. my, my online teaching, I have either early in the morning or late in the evening. So it's uh, the university that I teach for is Bryan University. And we do live sessions for all of our classes, but it's, it's mainly set up for working adults and, and people that are, are working as they're going to school as well. So that middle part of the day, we don't do the classes. So that's when I get to take care of these guys too. So we have really tried to do our best to set up the structure 
of our day and our week where we can um, allot certain parts of the day or parts of the week to each of these things we do. You know, we're, we're really the kids at the first and foremost. Yeah, no, absolutely. So even in your role as an instructor, what, what classes do you teach? Oh, man, I've taught a little bit of everything. Um, right now I'm teaching fitness management. And um, I've taught nutrition. I just taught functional biomechanics. I've taught health and wellness. I've taught just about everything that you can think of. Um, advanced strength conditioning. I, I, I think I've taught about 30 different courses now. Okay. So awesome. everything from the undergraduate catalog in, at that university. And it's pretty neat because they, they have three system or three pathways there. Um, you can go for uh, just a training certification, you can go for your associates, or you can go for your bachelor's, and each kind of transfers into the next. So I've got to see some students that started off in their just going to go and get to their personal training certificate in eight months. They're like, oh, man, I really like this stuff. And now they're in the bachelor's program here. So it's pretty cool to be able to um, give back like I had from some of my mentors early on and kind of shape the way these guys think about strength conditioning and, and how they're going to approach it when they get to start working with some clients. Yeah, absolutely. What, what would you say some of the, like the pros and cons are of, of, you know, pursuing a bachelor's in exercise science? The pros are, you know, just from my understanding and me, when I used to hire trainers at the old gym, that just stood out to me on a resume. First and foremost is, Hey, you get a pass into my next pile already. I'll, I'll, I'll go through your resume, but let me check these other ones out first here um, to see which ones aren't going to make it into that pile. Um, I feel like that just means you took the extra time and effort to really learn the foundation of the strength conditioning as well. You know, um, without that foundation, it's, it's hard to build off of. I talked to some trainers that don't have the anatomy physiology foundation and they just sometimes don't get it you know they're 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 missing um they're missing what they're shooting for so um i i drill that into the students is is why they're learning these foundations is to ultimately make them better trainers and i try to um one of the biggest things i felt like that was missing from my undergraduate school was more application and i had a ton of it you know being in the weight room but i know these guys aren't going to get it being in the online school so i really try to have them apply everything that we're learning in a practical sense, whether it's them Zoom training me in the garage or, mm -hmm. or sending videos or whatever like that so they can get um, the whys behind what they're learning. If they have that connection, I've found they, they do a lot better and they, they want to excel. Awesome. Awesome. And what, what would you say some of the cons are like, what, what parts of the program do you wish like were a little bit more evolved? Um, and it's not necessarily just with, with your school that you teach at, but just kind of in general, you know, I, I tend to see a lot of, of, of people coming from an exercise science program and they do have that knowledge that you're talking about the AMPs and what, and whatnot. Um, but they don't get the a practical experience. And then especially from a business standpoint, they have zero. Um, so what would you say some of the other cons that you've seen that you would hope that would evolve over time? That's one big one for sure is, is, you know, the business standpoint of it. Something I was just talking about this with my client this morning. It's some people get into doing this cause they like working out or, you know, they like training or, or it's fun mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and, and they don't realize what 
you have to put into it in order to make this a living for yourself. So um, luckily, the school I work for, we do business classes along with that. And um, I know that's not something that they get at, at most universities. I remember my first one of my first interviews as a trainer, I went into one of the big gyms and um, I'm thinking I, I know some stuff, you know, and I just got done with my Exos internship. And first question he asked me is, how are you on sales? I'm like, what? What are you talking about, man? I'm not, I'm not coming in for a sales position. So um, having that awareness of of what's going to be expected of you in these different positions um, after school would be huge, I think, in that setting for sure. Absolutely. No, I think that's 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 it. Um, so oh, yeah. I actually. I actually uh, yesterday posted a, a story and in my Instagram and asking anyone who had questions for you. We actually got two of them. Um, I wanted you to answer these ones. Um, question number one in the DM was uh, your the single moment of coaching that stands out the most to you, whether it was you know a moment or experience or what stands out the most to you in your in your coaching career. Probably, oh, there's been a few moments for sure. Like I can, there's two that just popped into my head. Um, the First one was my, I'm getting goosebumps. First one, um, first one was my first fight cornering Ryan and it was in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh and man. Our call time was 1130 from the hotel. So literally sat around all day till 1130 at night to go to the arena. And um, then we go to the arena and, um, it's, it's wild of course. And he's the main event. He's fighting Nogueira and we're in the back. And a um, couple of moments from here, we're in the back and we get all warmed up and everything. And then he just sits down on the bench, puts his arms out like this. And he's like, well, couldn't feel any better than I do right now. I'm like, oh, man, let's man. go get it. Like that was uh -huh. that was just unbelievable. And then um, every time I hear painted black, I can still picture myself standing behind him, ready to walk out for that fight in Sao Paulo. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Isn't it crazy as a strength coach that you almost get the same? I mean, obviously you can't compare it to the actual fighter, but I mean, as, as close as can possibly be, you know, being so emotionally invested in that person that you, you, you know, you get goosebumps, you get nervous, you get, you know, those, uh, butterflies as well. It's crazy. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah. And when we get to, when we get to do this together, our, our group, our team, it's, it's a lot of fun and our collective energy is, is something to be felt. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right. Question number two. So many people will ask what they should do to get where you are today, but what would you have told your younger self or another aspiring coach what not to do? Um, one not to do thing um, that I kind of teach my students as well. And, and this I, I learned from one of my mentors at Exo, Sue Falsoni, um, is, is kind of approach things with in open mind and, and open eyes, you know, oftentimes in strength conditioning and coaching, we demonize certain products or exercise or whatever the case may be. And, um, I, I may have done some of that earlier in my career and I tried to have the students not do that and, you know, approach every situation with, with not like, is this good or bad, but like, when could I possibly use this or what would the use be for this piece of equipment, this exercise, this concept, whatever the case may be. So um, definitely go in with with the blinders off and um, try to to soak up everything you possibly can, because you'll never know when you're going to need some of that info that you didn't think you need. Absolutely spot on, man. 
Well, man, I appreciate your time, dude. Um, how can, you know, if people have more questions for you, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you? I know you're an online strength coach as well, and you work with people remotely. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, no, I've, I'm loving the, the uh, app training. I got a bunch of clients on there now. Like I've told you, I've got an ultra marathon runner. We've got some Muay Thai clients. We've got general population. Everybody that you can imagine um, can train on there. And uh, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. So um, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook. I don't too much on Twitter, but I'll check uh, Instagram and Facebook more. So if you do have any inquiries of, of training, any questions, anything like that at all, please hit me up on, on one of those. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Awesome, man. So if you all are listening on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. Or if you're watching this interview on YouTube, it'll be in the description below. Jason, thank you so much for your time, brother. Always good talking to you. We got we to gotta do this a little bit more often. For sure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Easy.